Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. as it ties in with what we will be talking about today in the fourth commandment. So please take your Bibles and we'll read from Hebrews chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse 7. And it's quite a lengthy section, but it is an important section. And so I want to read this so that we have a bit more context for what we will study today. Starting in verse 7, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving hearts, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, left by Moses? And with whom was He provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Verse chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day this way. 
And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. And again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying, through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. That is the public reading of God's word today. Now we've approached the end of the year here and if I had to ask you, how was your week? And I've done so with many of you already today. The general response I get is, it was busy. It was busy. It was a very busy week. In fact, it's been a very busy year. By this time of the year, most people are tired and they feel ready for some kind of holiday, some kind of rest. I know I am. Because life in general can be so demanding. I think we all agree on that. We need time to do our work. We need time to do our studies. We need time for the family. We need time to help our kids with their homework and with their exams. We need time for personal devotions. We need time to visit with other friends. We need time to serve. We need time to finish that book that we started six months ago. All this takes time. And it seems that we could use a bit of more time, couldn't it? We all would like a little bit of more time, perhaps. You might even be overwhelmed and frustrated or, or stressed or anxious because you're not getting to the things you want to get to. You maybe recognize that you want to be able to spend more time in God's Word or serve Him by reaching out to others and help serve in a ministry, but your time is limited. But you know what? God has a solution to all of this. God has a solution to all of this because He has given us time out of our busy weeks to rest in His grace in a unique and special way. Now ultimately, all of life, every day, is to be a life of worship to God. And we need His grace every moment of every day. But what are we going to see from the fourth commandment? And the, the rest of Scripture is that God has given us a unique rhythm, a rhythm that is rooted in creation, so that we can find true rest in Him. Finding true rest in Him on a regular basis. He has given us special time for worship, for doing mercy, and for finding true rest for our souls. But the problem is, because we live in such a 24-7 culture these days, that for many people, what was once an entire day devoted to public and private ways of worship has now changed to just one or two hours on a Sunday. Where for some, going to church is just something people want to get out of the way, you know, so they can get on with the rest of their day. 
Where Sunday is seen more as a day to catch up on all that stuff I didn't get to in the week. A day of getting to those hobbies that we don't have time for during the week. Maybe it's a day where we're so tired from all our social activities on, uh, on the weekend that we literally just want to sleep. Because, I mean, it is a day of rest, isn't it? But we're studying the law of God. We're studying the Ten Commandments. And one of the goals from the study is that we can get to know God better. So that we can love Him better. Because we have said the, the, the first four commandments help us to know how to love God with all our hearts. And the rest of them help us to know how to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as we keep looking at God's law, it reminds us that we true, what we truly value in this life. It shows us where we fail, God's standard, and it drives us to Jesus every time. Because Jesus is the only one who perfectly kept the law on our behalf. And as we study God's law, it guides us in our worship of Him. And we've seen so many good things already. We've seen that God is unique in who He is. That He demands exclusive worship. Because there's no one like Him. He's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. He's, he's a just God. He's a merciful God. We've also seen that He is to be worshipped according to what His Word says. Not our own ideas or, or our cultural traditions. And we have also seen last time in the third commandment that we, how His name is to be held in high honor. Because His name tells us who He is and what He has done for His people. Because His name is the name of true salvation. But today we will see that God also shows us in His grace. He's reminding us that we do actually have time to slow down so that we can reflect what He has done for us by setting aside a day that we can find true rest in Him. We're going to be talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath. And the word Sabbath means ceasing or rest. Ceasing or rest. And rest is the word I want the kids to listen for today. And it's interesting that here in the fourth commandment, God actually has to command Israel to take some rest. Because they were living such busy lives. They were getting caught up in the things of this world that Israel would forget what God has done for them. They were getting so busy all the time that even as they looked at this gift of time to rest in God's grace, by the time you get to the New Testament, the Jews and the Pharisees made this issue of Sabbath more about your own efforts again. All these regulations of what you can and cannot do on this holy day. And it's because they missed the whole point of the Sabbath. And we still have that same problem today. People look at the fourth commandment. And you have people with different convictions about how to honor this commandment. Some make it more about what you can and cannot do, and they easily judge other people for what they are not doing on that day. Instead of focusing on, wow, I actually get to do this. I actually get to do this. I actually have the opportunity to rest in God's saving grace. Now what we're going to see today is that Jesus changes the way we think about the Sabbath. 
All nine of the other commandments are repeated in the New Testament in some level. But the command to keep the Sabbath is not there. But does that mean God is not serious about this commandment anymore? Can we just ignore this one and focus on all the other nine? Today we're going to see that rest is important to God. And if we're going to avoid getting so busy and overwhelmed and stressed out by the demands of life, if we're going to look at how we use our time and actually rest in God's grace, then firstly, we need to remember that rest is important. Number one. We need to remember that rest is important. Verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God was telling Israel that they need to remember the Sabbath day because when they received the law at Mount Sinai, it was not the first time they would have heard about this idea of Sabbath rest. You see, when Israel was on their journey to Mount Sinai, they were given manna, this food from heaven. And we see this in Exodus 16.23. Let me read it. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. God was giving Israel a little preview here of what is to come in the law. They were to collect enough food on the sixth day so they can set aside enough for the next day so they can have the special day that's a holy day. And when they finally did come to Mount Sinai, God gave them the actual laws here regarding the Sabbath and the fourth commandment. And He says this is something they would have to remember because they've seen this before. And this is not going to just be this once-off thing. Now it's going to be something you do every week. And the reality is, to remember was not just to say, Hey, I should remember this is important to God. And then we get up and we just keep doing our own thing. Forgetting what God had commanded. Israel had to act. Remembering meant acting, moving, movement. It's like with birthdays, you know, my wife, she loves birthdays. She does, she really loves birthdays. It would be sad if her birthday comes and through the day I'm like, Hey, honey, I remember it's your birthday. And she will be like, Well, that's nice. But how did you remember my birthday? Because I need to see something, right? Maybe a little present, a little dinner. Something that will show this day is not like any other day. That is what God wanted Israel to do. He wanted them to remember that this day was important. Now, in fact, when you read Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, this is the second time that Moses writes about the Ten Commandments. But this time he's talking about the Sabbath. And he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now what is it that Israel had to remember specifically? They had to remember that their time did not belong to them. 
That they were slaves. They, they come from this background of being slaves who worked every day 24-7. And here in God's grace, He changes that. He changes it because now He saved them from that slavery. And He gives them a whole day to stop and to rest and to reflect on how He has delivered them. And this kind of remembrance would be an act of worship. God is giving them a special time to reflect and to worship. But let's be honest, too often people today, they get so caught up with their hectic schedules and they also forget. They also forget what God has done for them in Jesus. They are pulled from one thing to the next and they don't make the time to slow down and to rest in His grace. To reflect on what He has done for them. You see... Like His name, God took the Sabbath very seriously. Because what are the consequences if someone did not keep the Sabbath? Exodus thirty-one seventeen. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among His people. This was pretty serious. God wanted this day to be set apart, to be kept holy, because Israel was supposed to be different. They had to look different from the pagan world around them. When everyone else was just living for themselves, and worshipping themselves, and working all the time, God wanted Israel to be different. To be a witness. God already commanded them not to worship other gods. He commanded them to not make idols. He commanded them to to keep His name holy. And now He commands them to keep their time holy. Because He knows how easily they get influenced from uh, everyone around them. He knows people get their priorities mixed up. In fact, what was the sign of the Mosaic Covenant? You see, like the rainbow was the covenant sign of Noah. And circumcision was the covenant sign with Abraham. The Sabbath was the sign of the Mosaic Covenant. It was the sign that Israel belonged to God. And that they would trust Him enough to rest in Him. The world would look at Israel and see that how they would use their time. How they rested from their work so that they can reflect and worship the one true God. You see, and God wasn't interested in people remembering the Sabbath and obeying the Sabbath for the wrong reasons. The prophet Isaiah said this to Israel, Isaiah 1.13. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. In other words, God is not interested in people keeping the externals of the law. He has always been after their hearts. You see, Israel had to remember their salvation was a gift. This day of rest and worship was a gift. It wasn't to be this burdensome command that felt like the disruption in their lives. It wasn't to be this occasional thing they remembered to do. But rather it would be this regular rhythm to find strength and refreshment in God. So even as you look at your own life right now, 
What does your life look like? Maybe you need this kind of reminder today yourself. I'm thankful you're here, but we need to remember the, the importance of needing to rest in God's grace. And as you look at your priorities, you see God didn't just tell Israel what to do. He also tells them how to do it. Which brings us to number two. How do we rest in God's grace? Verses 9 and 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. God is saying to Israel, if you are going to keep the Sabbath and have this one day set apart, then it means you must work hard on the first six days. Get done what you have to get done, but then you stop. Tools down. Shops closed. Brooms in the cupboard. God was in charge of how Israel would work and how Israel would rest. And honestly, many people would perhaps admit that they don't really like work. Especially if it comes with all the stress and demands that consume so much of our time. And maybe you simply blame it on Adam. Because of his sin, we know work now is hard. But we also know that God gave Adam work before the fall, right? In fact, God did not have to tell Adam to have a day of rest before the fall because he was doing his job with no problems. No sin issues. Because the thing is, we were not only made to worship, but we were also made to work as a way of worship. To find blessings and working hard for the Lord. And faithfulness in how you work is also a witness to the world. But what the fourth commandment is saying is that Israel would also find blessing in resting from that work. Being a witness in how they rested in this day. Now look at the specifics here. Because six days Israel would work hard for the Lord. And then the seventh day was to be set apart for rest and worship, not working on this day. And this doesn't just include the dad. This was everyone. The whole family. This means mom was not cleaning the house. It means the kids were not collecting firewood. The servants couldn't work. You know, it's one thing today to take a day of rest, but then someone else comes in to clean your house. Now, God was saying everyone in Israel is getting the time for rest and worship. This is what the commandment was saying. On it you shall do not do no work. I mean, Numbers 15.32 says that you can't even pick up sticks. Because if you do, what's going to happen? There will be stones flying your way. In other words, sticks and stones will break your bones. I mean, collecting firewood, I mean, making a fire, that doesn't seem like such a big deal, does it? God really wanted His people to get their priorities right. You see, the parents were the ones to set the trend in the home. They were to show the kids and the servants the seriousness of resting on this holy day. One man says it like this. He said, whereas the other six days of the week are for ordinary commerce, this is the day on which people transact their spiritual business, 
trading in the currency of heaven. But things didn't always go this way for Israel. They forgot to honor this commandment. And this affected them spiritually. We see this in the book of Nehemiah. God's people were set free from captivity in Babylon. And when they returned home from Babylon, they were rebuilding the city of Jerusalem under Nehemiah's leadership. This included their homes and the places of worship. And they they started to gather again for worship. Kind of a little bit like if we get out of lockdown, you know. Everyone's excited to be back in church and to be able to worship again. Reading God's law together, repenting of their sins and making promises to keep God's covenant. You see, after Nehemiah returned, after a trip he took to Babylon himself, what did he find? He found that people were treating every day like it was any other day. All the days were the same again. Even though the people literally promised that they won't keep trading and working as usual. Nehemiah 10.31 And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we will forgo the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. But just a few verses later, you read how they didn't keep this promise. They kept on doing business as normal so they can make more money. And maybe they thought, at least I'm giving some of this money to, to, to the church, to God's work. But they were fooling themselves. They knew exactly what this commandment required. And they broke it by continuing their work on the Sabbath. And so what does Nehemiah do? He rebukes them. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing you are doing profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not your God bring all this disaster and on the city? Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. I mean, think about it. These guys just got back from captivity in Babylon. You think that would be a lesson learned? It didn't take very long for God's people to go back to a life of forgetting, just doing what they want to do. Getting their priorities all mixed up again. Rather than enjoying this blessing that God gave them. In fact, Nehemiah realized how this will affect everyone. So he brought in some additional safety measures. Verse 19. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders that they should not be open until the day after the Sabbath. You see, Nehemiah did what he had to do to help people see how sanctified and holy this day was for Israel. That this is for their good. Because one of the reasons they ended up in captivity in the first place was because of failing to keep the Sabbath. And for God's people to change the way they use their time, they had to be reminded that they need to rest in Him. They had to be reminded how to rest in Him. By stopping all work. Making this day look different from every other day. And then thirdly, the fourth commandment tells us why. It tells us why. Why do we rest in grace? 
verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God was taking Israel back to what He had done in creation. Showing how the Sabbath was rooted in what God had done when He created everything. So I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered why do we operate on a weekly schedule? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Why do we have seven days in a week? Why don't we have ten days in a week? Or five days in a week? I mean, we look at the lunar cycle and the planets and we cycle for days, for months and years. But where do we get the week? It's because of what God did in creation. We read in Genesis 2-3, So God blessed the seventh day and He made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. God made the world in six days, and then He rested. His activity in creation sets the pattern for our work and our rest. And God made the seventh day holy because He finished creating everything in six days. It was done, creation was done, and then He stopped working. Because it's finished. Not because he was tired. We know God doesn't get tired. The prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah 40 verse 28, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It means God was resting because His work was completed. God rested and looked at what He had made and He was satisfied. It was all good. But what we see in creation is that God worked and then He blessed the seventh day. We serve a God who works and who rests. And He blessed us one day and He made it holy to be special, a day to be remembered for the original perfection of His creation. So think about it, from every week from that moment will include a day, a special day for remembering what God has done in creation. Every week, Israel, along with you and me and the rest of the world, we are reminded as we go through each week of God's creative, powerful work in creation. And since Sunday is actually the start of the week, it meant that the Sabbath was on Saturdays. The Sabbath was on Saturdays. So every Saturday was to be this witness that God is the Creator. Every Saturday would be a reminder to Israel that because of their sin, they have broken that creation. They have broken what is good. Another man says it like this, the Sabbath, every Sabbath that went by, when they rested, they were reminded of a perfect creation. A paradise of God dominated by righteousness, which had been forfeited by sin and could only be regained by righteousness. Every seventh day was a reminder that they were living in a fallen world. Every seventh day was a reminder that they had lost paradise and they needed someone to fix it. And see, what we notice from creation is that the first time God blesses anything, He blesses a day for His people to rest in His grace. A day that would influence the rhythm of the entire world. 
And Israel had to keep this day holy because God made it holy. But here's the thing. The Sabbath was a sign from God that even a greater rest was coming. When we get to the New Testament, we see that Jesus totally changes the way we understand the Sabbath. We know He said that He didn't come to abolish the law, but what? To fulfill it. And that is exactly what He did. When Jesus was interacting with the Pharisees, He was trying to show them what was going on in their hearts. He was trying to show them what Matthew 12 verse 8 says, that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Which means Jesus can do whatever He wants with the Sabbath, right? And Jesus wanted to show the Jews that their religious system is coming to an end. All these regulations they are holding over other people, it's coming to an end. Because here's Jesus, healing people on the Sabbath, showing mercy on the Sabbath. Luke 14.1 One Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold... There was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And he took them and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. See, in the mind of the Jew... You were not allowed to heal people on this holy day. And so Jesus is healing and showing mercy on the Sabbath to indicate to the Jews that there is in fact a greater Sabbath coming. There's this greater rest coming. In John chapter 5, you have this incident where Jesus chooses to heal this man on the Sabbath again who who couldn't walk. Jesus tells him to, to pick up his bed and to walk. And so when you hear bed, you, you shouldn't think, you know, picking up my mattress and walking with my mattress down the street. They had these roll-up little beds that you can roll up and put under your arm. But again, this is a good example of how the Jews added their own regulations, their own little rules to the Sabbath. Because there's no law that tells anyone that he, he can't walk or carry his bed on the Sabbath. And Jesus knows this. So he intentionally heals this man And this man goes away telling the Jews that he was healed by Jesus. And the result, the Jews started going after Jesus for this. And how does Jesus respond to them? This is good. John 5 verse 17. Jesus says, My father is working until now, and I am working. I imagine. Can you get more explicit than this? Jesus is not only making himself equal with the father, but he says he's working on the Sabbath. And it's not a problem. And the thing is, these legalistic Jews were so consumed about what they cannot do, they never got time to actually enjoy the Sabbath and its purpose. The actual rest of what God has done. Jesus was right in front of them. And He was busy changing the Sabbath right in front of them. He was pointing them to a greater rest in Him. You also see how Jesus is the the fuller meaning of the true Sabbath from Colossians. Paul writes in Colossians 2.16, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, 
with regard to a festival or a, a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. You see, a shadow is not the real thing, is it? Jesus is the real thing. He is the true rest that people should be longing for. Therefore, Paul is saying, people should not judge others for what they do regarding the Sabbath, because it's not about the Sabbath anymore and all these regulations. It's about your relationship with Jesus. Because what Jesus is saying is that the new covenant we have in Him, the new covenant, this new covenant is better than the old one. Because when Jesus was eventually crucified and He rose from the dead, it changed the way people were to think about the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath and all its regulations were gone. It's done. Because there's now a greater rest to be found in Jesus. And that's the point the inspired author of Hebrews is making. We read this from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. And he points out that God's true rest didn't come through Joshua. God's true rest didn't come through Moses. Because God's true rest comes only through Jesus. Joshua was leading people to the promised land, which would only provide a temporary rest. But God makes a promise for a far greater rest, an eternal rest, for anyone who puts their complete trust in Him. Hebrews 4 verse 9. Then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. What is the author saying? He's saying that there are all these people who work and work and work and work, who try to enter God's salvation and his rest through their own efforts. But they never do. Because it's only when you cast yourself at the mercy of God that you can enter that final rest. It's only because Jesus finished the work on your behalf. He was the only high priest who was able to enter the Holy of Holies. He went back into the Father's presence and He sat down at the Father's right hand. Because He did it. It's finished. See, every other priest who would go into the Holy of Holies, they would leave that day fearing for their life. Or every, every moment could be a moment where they could lose their life because this place was so holy. Jesus enters that holy place and He sits down. And so He says to everyone, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everyone who is trying to earn their way into this rest, come to Me, says Jesus. Come and find rest in Me. Another scholar says, even the Sabbath day rest, that one day a week rest is replaced by a life of rest where believers delight in God of salvation for all time. When believers rejoice, aware of their sin, the sacrifice for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a reason why we gather on Sundays. There's a reason why churches and Christians set aside Sunday as a day uniquely to rest in His grace. To reflect on what Christ has done for us. Because Jesus changed it all. The Sabbath has ended. 
And what we see is that from the days Jesus rose from the dead, which was a Sunday, from the earliest times, God's people assembled on the first day of the week to honor the resurrection of Jesus. You see this in John 20 verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Acts 20 verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, the church is gathering on the first day of the week to worship and to take communion. And then in 1 Corinthians 16 too, we see that the first day was also a day to think of others in a practical way. Paul writes, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and to store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Christ's saving work has transformed the weekly Sabbath. It's no longer the seventh day of the week, but now it's the first. It's no longer called the Sabbath, now it's called the Lord's Day. One scholar, B.B. Warfield, he explains it like this. He said, Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him and brought the Lord's Day out of the grave with him on the resurrection morning. And if you turn to the book of Revelation, we actually see how the Bible refers to the Lord's Day. In chapter 1 and verse 9 of Revelation, John is on the Isle of Patmos because of how he's been talking about the Word of God, about Jesus. And then he says in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. He got his first vision on what we call the Lord's Day. And what does he see? He sees Christ ministering in the lampstands, which is Christ ministering in His church. Another man says, This is the Lord of the church serving His church. And he got the vision of the Lord moving in His church on Sunday. The Lord is the one who initiated that vision and He initiated it on Sunday, on the Lord's Day. This is our special day. This is the day the Lord has given to us to remember Him. To slow down from all that we have going on in the the rest of our weeks and come to a day where we can find spiritual rest in Him. Let me try and pull this all together now. God has given us a unique rhythm all the way back in creation. He worked on He worked and then he rested because his work was finished. And God set apart this one day to be a holy day. He gave the false commandment to Israel and commanded them to remember this day and to keep it holy so they can reflect on what he had done in creation. And also their deliverance from slavery. He also told them how to do it, to stop working, to cease and to rest on this holy day. But the Sabbath was just a sign. A sign for the real rest that has come in Christ. Because Jesus changes how we understand the Sabbath. Today, we look back at what Christ has done, and we set apart the Lord's Day. A day where the church comes together to reflect on the the great salvation we have in Jesus. A day where we stop to rest in His grace. A day where you come and you, you, you find nourishment. For your weary soul. And it's the Lord's day. Because it's the resurrection day. It's not the Lord's morning. It's not the Lord's afternoon. It's not the Lord's hour. It's the Lord's day. 
And God is honored when Christians celebrate the Lord's day by making the most of this day to rest in His grace. Now there's a few things we can consider as we think about resting in God's grace. Firstly, we see that rest is important, right? We all need the reminder because we all forget. We all need the reminder that we need to look at how we manage our time. We can all get so busy with the demands of life that it's easy to neglect this area of resting in God's grace. It's easy to think we're doing fine spiritually, but then it all comes crashing down when the pressure of life becomes too much. That's why the author of Hebrews says, Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Secondly, we see that how we rest is also important. And this has to do with our convictions. Because if the law of God is not written on your heart, it will be easy for you to give your time and attention to something else. But for those who have God's law written on their hearts, who have His Holy Spirit, we recognize that we need this time. This time becomes the highlight of our week. This is not just something we get over and done with so we can go on with our day. One pastor says it well. He says, when we try to make as much room as we can for our own pleasures, then we miss the greatest pleasure of all, which is fellowship with the living God. This day is the pinnacle of our week. Gives us the strength to to work hard for God's glory and to rest for His glory. It's a day that we, we can sing truth, listen to truth, fellowship with other people, finishing that, reading that book that's been sitting on a shelf for six months. It's a day that we can reach out to others, show them mercy. It's a day that we can remember that there's eternal rest coming when we are back in the garden with God. And thirdly, we think what we think about rest reveals what we really trust. What we think about rest reveals what we really trust. In other words, do I really trust Jesus enough with all I have to do to plan my time better during the week so I can rest on his, in His grace on the Lord's day? So that I can find strength for the week so that I can rest in His grace every day. If Israel disobeyed the fourth commandment, the consequences was the death penalty. And in a sense, that is still true today because if you try to enter God's rest by your own efforts, if you try and enter eternal rest by what you do and what you don't do and you place your confidence in that, in yourself, rather than trusting in Jesus by faith, then the wages of sin is death. Therefore, if we take the time and use the time God has given us to stop working and rest from our labors, we are, we are also telling the world around us that we trust Jesus. I trust Him enough with my time. I trust Him enough with all my to-do lists and my deadlines. That when we enter God's eternal rest, not by our own works, but by the work of Jesus, the one who cried, it is finished, that we are filling ourselves with truth.
every week, and not with our own pleasures. You see, the, the Israelites, they did this in Nehemiah's day, endlessly laboring without knowing any kind of rest, rather doing what they wanted to do. We get to have a taste of heaven every time we gather. Therefore, we come to the fourth commandment as a reminder to, to, to flee to the completed work of Jesus. We have to rejoice in knowing what Christ has done for us. How sinful we are now. All that sin has been dealt with at Calvary. Completed. It's done. And we also consider the fourth commandment to, to guide us in our holy living. Remembering that each Lord's day offers us an opportunity to find true rest for our souls. And so let us rejoice every Lord's day until we finally and completely enter the eternal seventh day of God's rest. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a God of so much grace that you've given us a day, a complete day, and not just a day, but uh, all these moments where we can rest in your grace, knowing what Jesus has done on our behalf. Lord, thank you for showing us that even in creation, that you've given us this rhythm, Lord, this rhythm where we can find, work hard for your glory. This rhythm where we can use our skills and our talents and plan our weeks in such a way that we can pour ourselves out for, for the good of the kingdom. And then we come together as your people and we find rest on that seventh day. Encouraging one another. Spurring each other on. Finding the fuel we need for the following week. Thank you, God, that you are so gracious. That this is, this is the highlight. This is the good stuff. This is what we get to do. What a privilege as Christians that we get to do this. Lord, that's why we're so zealous when, when the government wants to restrict our worship. Because we know this is life for us. This is life. And so, Lord, help us to trust you with all the demands we have. Many of us here, Lord, all of us here. We've got so many things that demand our time. Help us to plan better, navigate better, to work hard, Lord, so that we can rest and rest in your gospel grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.